there is a place beyond hurt. Okay, okay, I know y'all used to hear me talk and tell my stories and all that, but I figure it's time to give some other good people a go. Family, welcome to Finding Good Voices. Hey, good people, how we doing? So for those of you who are returning, welcome back. You know we love to have you. For those of you who it's your first time here, my name is Kyle and this is Good Radio. We have something real special for y'all today. Look, in times like this, it is so important to take account of your joy. It's so important to know, find, and maintain your joy. Sometimes that comes through struggle. Sometimes that comes through living life and the vicissitudes of life. Sometimes that comes through moving. Sometimes that comes through staying still and staying resolved in what you know you should be doing. But in any rate, at any rate, you have to find your joy. We have someone here that has found their joy in life, found their purpose and passion in life, and they're going to share a bit of their joy with you. This is Amina Camille. All right, good people. So I have an amazing surprise for you guys today. Um, When I first started working in Brooklyn, um, one of the first nice bartenders, not the first bartender, mind you, the first nice bartender that I ever met out here. She has the heart of gold and a soul to match and eyes to match. (laughs) Uh, We have Amina Camille here. Um, Amina Camille is a bartender. She's a singer. I'm going to let her tell all of her story, but get ready. This is going to be good. So say hi to the people, Amina. Hey, what's up? What's up? Um, yeah, so, uh, I am normally based in New York, but right now I am in Boston due to the COVID crisis. And I, as you said, I'm a bartender, but I'm also a creative. I'm a singer, actor. Uh, sometimes I write some words. Sometimes I take some photos. Sometimes I express myself in all sorts of various ways, but, uh, yeah, I'm a singer and an actor and a bartender, and I've been in the service industry to uh, supplement my income for many, many years, as I'm sure a lot of your listeners will be able to relate to. What age did you enter the service industry? I started in hospitality slash service industry when I was 14 as a hostess. Okay. And for singing, what age? Eight. I've been a professional and competitive singer since I was about eight years old. Oh, okay. So explain, because a lot of people may not know what professional singer would, outside of like pop star, right? Um, out, what What do you mean by professional and singer? What do you mean by that? Um, to be a professional just means that you require a fee for your services. Okay, cool. So I would do a lot of like, little like Christmas gigs and like go to people's like 
bougie people's houses and sing <laughs> rocking around the Christmas tree for some coin. Um, so yeah, just getting, just getting paid to sing. For me, I know I cannot sing if my life depended on it. <laughs> so was it just like you came out of the shower and your voice still carried or what, what made you realize you could sing? You had the voice. Um, I, to this day, still don't know if I like, I'm a good singer. I know I like singing. You're an amazing singer. (laughs) (laughs) So I know this singing brings me joy. Um, But uh, I I think uh, I used to always be getting yelled at for singing all the time and making a bunch of noise. Um, And uh, I don't recall that so much as everyone else does. (laughs) um, So yeah, I used to just sing along with the radio a lot. and you just there wouldn't be a time when you wouldn't catch me singing or dancing or doing something performative um uh performative well you know performing yeah um, <laughs> I was like that's not right um, <laughs> but uh so uh, it wasn't until I came across some really dedicated music teachers in the public schools that I had been attending um who donated extra time to help me hone my skills as a young artist, which is like kind of crazy to think that like some music teacher somewhere out in some poor suburb of Dallas, Texas Mm -hmm. uh, can spare the time and the energy to see something special in one little kid. Um, But I just am extremely grateful for that. But that happened to me a couple of times in my life. I couldn't afford voice lessons or anything like that. But mm-hmm. uh, I had these music teachers that saw something in me and helped me develop my voice. That's so important because a lot of, I feel like a lot of kids have these dreams and have like these aspirations, but don't necessarily have people in their corner to. Uh, point them towards that or point them in the right direction, right? Yeah. Um, do you feel like, because there's a lot of a lot of kids who, or a lot of parents rather, I would say parents, who get caught up in the functionality of a singing career. Like, you're not, that's not going to make you enough money or that's not going to, you know, yield enough uh, return. What would you say to parents listening who have might have kids who are, wanting to go into that field or might have or kids who want to go into that field whose parents are kind of dissuading them um I think you have to it's kind of hard as a kid to like do critical thinking but I think you have to try to do some critical thinking and actually maybe list exactly what it is you like about it and do you like it or do you love it how do you feel when you're doing it is it just that you you love that people are paying attention to you is it just that you know nobody could be watching you and you would still be finding joy out of it which was my case I mean I liked both don't get it twisted (laughs) like I was quite I was quite the ham when I was a kid Mm. um and I cannot confirm nor deny whether or not that has carried on into my adulthood. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that kids just have to do some critical thinking about it and figure out why they like it. Um, and then once you figure out why you like it, then you can start to strategize the terms in which you can ask your parents yeah. to invest, to help you invest 
mm. in your future. Um, I really hate that it's so challenging to pursue a career as a creative. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then even if you pursue it, it's really challenging to make money doing it. Yeah. You know, you have to, you have to have a really thick skin too. You know, you have to, you know, it's a lot of no's. For sure. It really is a lot of no's and rejection. So you really have to love it. I love that you, uh, love that you said, uh, made that differentiation between like and love, right? So I always like to define love as uh, a willing desire to um, meet or exceed uh, the need of something that you claim to love, right? So a lot of people uh, say they love doing something, but they're not willing to get up in the morning and do it. Use the word invest, right? They're not willing to invest or sacrifice what it takes. And that brings me to um, huh, the, the the point of this whole thing, I guess, it would be the service industry, right? And doing what you need to do to sustain your dream. I'll tell you why I thought about you uh, in this. Um, I had I was having a conversation with someone that wanted to go into music. And uh, they were like, oh, I would never work a nine to five job. I would never, you know, I'm going to do this and this until I have, until I get into a position, right? And it angered me because it made me feel like you're not willing to do any and everything to see that you can have your dream and that you can reach your your goal, right? Um, Talk to us a little bit about, well, I know you started in the service industry young, but talk to us about getting into the service industry from singing, right? Not going 100% into singing and making the choice to get behind the bar and, and do your thing. Well, for me, um, I come from really humble beginnings, period. So when I got my first service industry job, it was out of necessity. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved to New York, when I was 18, I moved to New York um, to be involved in a conservatory program there, um, for musical theater performance. Mm-hmm. And I had taken out all of these loans and I didn't have any money. I didn't have any savings and my parents couldn't help me. So it wasn't even an option for me to not work my entire way through school. And then I just couldn't stop after that because yeah, I wasn't in school anymore, but I had a life. Your I had life, a real yeah. life. You got to pay rent, you know? Yeah. And like, I think that there's something to be said about, there are so many different ways to interpret, uh, to sacrifice for your art, mm-hmm. right? Service industry is not the kindest industry that you could go into. Um, but it is, it was a sacrifice that yeah. I had to make to stay in New York um it's really hard to stay in New York it is not for everybody um so we'll speak to that a little bit more because uh, there are going to be people that are not in New York right and speak to people because you know I know and you know but everyone might not know how hard it is they say if you can make it here you can make it anywhere speak to that a little bit um (laughs) I think that's actually it's 
corny. It's so corny. <laughs> but I definitely think there's some truth to that. I've mm. seen, I can't tell you how many people I've seen New York chew up and spit out. It mm. is expensive to live here. It's a grind. It's a hustle. It's not for the hometown heroes who starred in all their high school productions of Greece and Oklahoma, <laughs> you know, uh, who, who just think they're going to march in. I'm speaking to the actors, of course, but um, you know, who are just going to come up here and think things are going to be handed to them. New York just really isn't like that. Unless you move here with a ton of money or like a sponsor or something <laughs> like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. I like how you put that, the sponsor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. I didn't have those opportunities. So like I said, like I had to work. Um, I do think it goes back to what I was saying about sacrificing and about learning that difference between like and love. If you love something, you'll make those sacrifices. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And for me, I I did uh, I was never the kind of person that like I didn't love where I grew up, but I was never like oh, I'm dying to get out of here. I was never like that. I just realized what I wanted to do, and I knew that I had to be in a certain place to do it. And for so sure. it wasn't even a conversation within myself. I was just like, oh, I want to pursue theater. I'm going to move to New York, mm-hmm. and then I just did it, and I got really lucky because as soon as I got there. It was like I had been there all my life. Yeah. I like got on the train. I went to my dorms at the time. And then I really felt at home. And I've always said, you never know where you belong until you get there. That's so big. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And for me, like for me, it was New York. But, you know, you have to think about exactly what you want to do and where you can thrive to do it. For me, it was New York. But I think, you know. Because we talked about sacrifice, right? And leaving Texas, was it, right? Yeah. So leaving Texas, you're obviously sacrificing something. I don't know how much. I don't know how you said you weren't, like, tied there. But you're still sacrificing, you know, your everyday surroundings. You're sacrificing what you were used to. Routine comfort, yeah. The comfort, exactly. Um, And obviously it's worked out for you to give that up. But talk about the anxiety that that you might have felt when moving up here, because New York, you know, you see it. It's challenging for me, the kind of person that I am. Like, I understand what it would be like for people who feel Mm. really anxious with change Mm -hmm. and have a hard time adapting to newness. Mm -hmm. I moved around a lot as a kid. So and I changed elementary schools a couple of times. And because we moved around a lot because we just kept getting priced out of our houses and apartments. Mm -hmm. So we were moving all the time. Um, And so for me, I learned very, very young to adapt and not get used to comfort and routine. Um, And it's been both a blessing and a curse in my life. I have moved around a lot. You know, I moved to New York, but then, you know, I've left a couple of times and come back. New York is always home base for me. So Mm. I'm not necessarily sure if I can attest too strongly to the anxiety of moving to a brand new place. For me, I was like, I'm a star. I'm going to make so many friends. I'm going to go to New York and it's going to be everything. Yeah. 
And then it was. <laughs> and then you go. <laughs> and then it you, was, you know. Yeah, you are. You were amazing. <laughs> That's the thing, though. Like, to go back to the point of nothing being handed, right? Like, you have people who were handed things their whole entire life. And it actually makes me think of this current time and people who I see around who aren't really affected by, or not, maybe not, may be affected by it, but aren't like going crazy and pulling their hair out. These are ten, these tend to be people who have gone through a lot in their life anyway. So it's like, all right, it's another situation, right? Or any big situation that happens in life, not being, not being affected by the ebbs and flows of everything. Right. Yeah. And I guess in order to be in the entertainment industry, something that a lot of people want, you have to be able to go with those ebbs and flows. So talk to us a little bit about, you, you talked about how you developed it, but talk a little bit about what people can expect. I think any industry mm. um, has its ebbs and flows. If you're a, mm. if you want to be a journalist or mm. if you want to be a sculptor or if you want to, you know, do whatever people do on wall street stocks and stuff. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. That does not sound like my jam, but you know, you have to, you, I think that is a really important life lesson that not everybody gets to learn mm-hmm. young is to be able to go with the punt, go with the flow and like roll with the punches. Right. Sure. So like my, <clears throat> I know people very, very close to me that like the idea of moving just from like, one apartment in the same apartment complex just really really messes with them and for me I'm like I don't really care like moving (laughs) sucks but like whatever new beginning exactly um but I, I do think it's important to try to acknowledge where you're at with that skill and try to figure out a way to adapt you know and I think that goes back to like all those corny things about you know like do something that scares you every day (laughs) (laughs) or something like that. You know, it's like, basically I know people that won't travel alone. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, or go to the grocery store alone. Um, And I guess it kind of goes back to also ding, 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 light bulb moment. (laughs) It also kind of goes hand in hand with uh, independence. Gotcha. Um, and how you feel about that. I don't think there's anything wrong with being dependent on the people around you mm-hmm. that have your best interest at heart. But at the end of the day, it's just you. So well, you have to figure out where your, uh, how strong your independence is or your will, your willpower. Has that affected your independence or your um, ability to be dependent on other people? Or your desire. Yeah. For sure. For yeah. sure. For me, because I am such, so independent, it is very challenging for me to ask for help and yeah. to lean on other people um, because I don't want to burden anybody. That's a big thing. That's um, a huge fact. And also, I'm just, I'm very like, I can do battle by myself. I don't need, I don't need. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Whatever your experience, I, I I I have this. I have the whole weight of the world on my shoulders, and I can deal with it. I think New Yorkers have that trait, right? Where we are trained to be 
so like, up, oh, this doesn't work, go to the next. This doesn't work, go to the next. Totally. That it kind of imbrues a lot of our lives that we don't necessarily mean it to at some points, you know, like relationships or friendships, you know? Yeah. Um, to take it, let's go to friendships, our friendship, where our friendship started um, in, uh, at Bar Sepia, which is sadly or not so sadly now closed. Um, That's sad. Sepia was there for a long time. It's I, it's I, me, me and, me and, uh, we, we'll talk about that off. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Off, yes. yeah. off the record, off the record. No, no finding good beefs. It's just finding good times. <laughs> um, so, I mean, speaking of ebbs and flows and going with the flow of it and being dependent or independent, rather, the bar industry is ridiculously like ups and up and down. Right. It could be like a good night up until one point and then one thing hits and then it's like, what the hell just went on? Excuse my language. Right. It's. How do you deal with because, you know, you're going to get 10 different answers from 10 different bartenders. How do you deal with the vicissitudes of the bar? I think it's all everything that we're talking about honestly really goes back to know thyself Uh, and in a like a big picture kind of way um you have to know what your actual duties and job title are Mm -hmm. and what you're capable of for me I I can only do what I can do I can only go so fast I can only do you know, like there's, there's only so much you can do and everyone, the thing about service industry is that it can be such a pressure cooker. Like everything, the stakes are so high for these margaritas. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. <laughs> like I used to work somewhere that was a vegetarian place and wine bar. And anytime that the stuff would go crazy, I would just be like, it's just tofu and grape juice. Exactly. It's just tofu and grape juice because it's really not, it's really not that. Big. It's not that serious. Can yeah. I say this? Like, I'm sorry to, <laughs> I'm sorry to no, it's every enough. bartender and every chef that's listening, right? I respect what you do. I respect the restaurant industry. I respect what you do, but it's not that serious. Like, if you don't like something, get another one. If you don't, like, come on. But I think a lot of it actually is like, and this might be a different conversation for a different time, but I, I don't understand where the shift where people took the hospitality out of hospitality industry. Mm. I don't know when people confused service industry with servant industry. industry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But from the guest side of things, Mm -hmm. I really think they're the ones who raise the stakes. I think Mm. that the, like the, the, the expectations are. Yes super unreal and i i don't know when that shift happened but there's something to be said about what people are giving to you yeah you know so and i want to listen we're gonna go all over right if we can yeah i want to dig deeper into that right because i want to get back to the music and all (laughs) that right but i have to go here since we're here yeah in the in the time and the ethos of where america is right Brooklyn, we know Brooklyn is a hotbed of Karen-ness and uh, 
you know, the, um, what, what do they call it? The roller, what do you call that thing that the babies are carried in? Roller. Stroller. Stroller, oh, mafia, yeah. the stroller. Oh, yeah, mafia. yeah, yeah. And I used to come into Bar CP after a long day of work. And this would be a Saturday. And I would be like, you have a bunch of moms and they would be outside with their strollers and then giving the bartender uh, a bunch of crap, right? Do you think that after this whole thing goes on, all of the protests and, you know, Karen's are getting called out, do you think, and not only that, um, people are appreciating the essential workers. Do you think that the world opens back and people are nicer to bartenders? No. No? (laughs) I'm sorry to cut you off. Absolutely not. They're not essential. We're not essential. No, we are essential to their luxury. Ah. Because that's how, if you can afford to go out for a meal, like people forget that like that wasn't always a thing. You know, if you can afford to go out to go for brunch, like, that's a big thing. That's a big thing. (laughs) It is a big thing. And it's become this huge social gathering as well. Brunch is such a social, such a status thing, such a social thing. Um, I think that to be quite honest with you, I think it's either going to be worse or the same. Really? Why, why do you say worse? Because they've been without for so long. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, I had to make all of my own coffee during <laughs> quarantine. Oh, you know. Yeah. Like, so I think there might be an adjustment period where it dips and it's worse <laughs> and then is the same. Yeah. But service industry is really is really something else. And it's a huge point to kind of, because I never clicked in my head until you said that just now, that everyone, like, brunch is a luxury item, almost. Like, everyone doesn't have the the, the means to go out anytime, but especially, like, just kind of, like, every, what, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Sunday, Saturday and Sunday afternoons. Afternoon. I, I don't, I can't brunch. I can't, well, I don't, I don't wake up that early, so. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, that's fair, that's fair. But I don't brunch. Um, Also, people that brunch, I don't want to be around people that brunch. Yeah, it's it's heavy, it's heavy. Not to, uh, because I know some people who are listening are, I know you, you you brunch, you brunch, but you're annoying (laughs) when you brunch. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's, I don't know, it is, it is such a, brunch is, is, a very interesting topic that's for sure um i know people that brunch religiously yeah you know which is convenient that it's on a sunday but you know people that if they don't do anything else that week they get in their brunch <laughs> they, get in their, and it's the craziest thing because so cycling back to the music right putting up with the brunchers putting up with the uh drunk jerks like i used to be at some points in time putting up with uh working late hours, putting up with dealing with not so nice coworkers as people tend to be in this industry who are also dealing with all of those things. Um, What's the light at the, at the end? What keeps you going? Um, Being able to meet all sorts of people from all different walks of life. Um, And the reason that I stayed in the service industry for so long is the human connection. If you can yes. actually, 
like I've met so many special people, yourself included, you know, I've met so many special people. I've met lifelong friends that were coworkers or guests, mm-hmm. you know, it's, there's a, there's, it's not all bad, you know, there's definitely this other side of it that is really great, you know? Yeah. And I've also, if you want to talk about like actual perk perks, other than relationships, mm-hmm. I've gotten a lot of perks, just talking to the right people at the right time. I have mm-hmm. gotten an opera singer's house seats to the Metropolitan Opera. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a real story. Uh-oh. <laughs> real story. <laughs> um, you know, and things like that have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just depends. It depends on them and it depends on you. And a lot of times you are going to find people because that's just the the nature of society right now. Mm-hmm. That people don't value human connection that much anymore because we're oh, for sure. behind our screens at all times and with our head with our earbuds in and stuff like that um and I'm I'm kind of old school when it comes to all of those things I'm very very slow mm-hmm. to embrace oh man it took me a really really long time to be that person that like walks and looks at their phone yeah <laughs> <laughs> I just oh it's it's so hard I've resisted it for so long and I, I'm trying so hard to continue to resist it I used to, I never used to have to look at my phone all the time, but yeah. it's like, it's almost this like obsessive compulsion, you know, like you have to, did someone reach out? The thing about yeah. it is like, we don't value human connection. Exactly. We're desperate for human connection. Exactly. Wow. Wait, say that again, because that's a good thing. That's, that's really good. We don't value mm. human connection, but we're mm. desperate for human connection. It just has to be, the terms just have to, are different. That's and I think that is exaggerated in New York, right? Because we have an abundance of people around us, but we like sequester ourselves almost and keep ourselves in our own little world so much. I'll I relate it to the Tinder thing, right? Not to knock anyone who does Tinder. I I would never, but not to knock anyone who I have many a Tinder story from my <laughs> single gal days, which I, I'm, I'm happy to go into, but go on. I mean, just the fact that everything seems to be a little bit um, expendable and disposable, right? So it's like... I mean, you can Amazon a boyfriend, you know? Ex- like, <laughs> exactly. That's a, I never looked at it like that, but... <laughs> like, that's what it is. Like, you Amazon shop for a partner. And it's or pretty, less. Yeah, Right. But I, I think that when we're in the bar, right, and we're in that space and you are the noisy person that you were when you're younger, but not getting yelled at for it, you're getting, you know, complimented for it and you're getting love for it and you're a favorite bartender for it, right? What does that do? Does that, because I know some people don't like that bar attention. You would. Right. Does that ever, like, does that ever put you in a position, like, have you ever been in a position where you're just like, all right, oh, this person again, I don't, I'm not all the way there. I'm not there. Like, I can't be Amina right now. I have yeah. to work, but I'm not Amina. Absolutely. I mean, bartenders are humans, you know, like, we're not, mm-hmm. it's, it is, people think it's all fun and games to be in service industry, but we're not all like, it takes energy. It expends a huge amount of energy to 
do that connection, you know, to make something a little more than just a transaction. And even the transaction takes energy, you know? Um, Wait, hold on. I got to, before you finish, not to cut you off, I have to touch on that because we're going to talk about this a little bit late after you finish this question. I want to put a pin in it. Um, Make it more than a transaction. I just wanted to point that out. I don't, I don't want to lose that point because that is so important, not only behind a bar, but with relationships and with our art, making it more than a transaction. But go ahead. Go. No, absolutely. Um, I mean, a seasoned person in the service industry will know what to do with you. They can tell immediately if that's what, you, if that's all you want mm-hmm. and that's fine. Yeah. Um, but usually people that just want transactions are problematic eventually. Mm, what do you mean by that? Break that down. Break that down. It just dep- it depends on the person. It depends on the thing. People who just want a transaction are usually usually lean on like rude and curt mm. and like just like they don't even maybe maybe it's just because I'm a woman or something. Mm. Mm-hmm. But you know, I've experienced a lot of misogyny. Yeah. In that, in that way specifically, like I have had guests who won't even look at me really throughout the whole time. They're there. Won't even, won't even like they'll order like this. Yeah. That's always the worst. That's you know? always the worst. And they don't look at me once, Yeah, you know, they don't, they don't exchange the pleasantries, which are minimal. Those exactly. are the bare minimum. In my opinion. <laughs> Hi, how are you doing? I'll take a double Jack and Coke. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's like we're people when the robots take over. So now, exactly. now we're getting to where I feel very strongly about, about how <laughs> things should go. But what I'm saying is like, you know, when the robots take over, mm-hmm. everything will be perfect. You know, your yeah. food will never be cold, too cold or too hot when it comes out. Mm-hmm. You'll never have to, you know, have conversation. You know, when the robots yeah. take over, that'll be something different. But like we are also people, and again, it goes back to service versus servant. Sir, yes. Um, and I have a really, really big issue with that. And I've worked all over the city. I've worked in Brooklyn. I've worked mm-hmm. in Queens. I've worked in every corner of Manhattan. Yeah. Um, just I mean, in New York, you know. And so I've seen every kind of person. And you're up in Boston now. Do you find it to be the same thing, or a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the place that I work has like a pretty long legacy and it's got kind of a, a bougie reputation. So I'm the last one in. And, mm-hmm. and so they have to vet me, the customers. Okay. Wow. You wow. know, they don't care that wow. I have, you know, tons yeah. of experience or who I really am or what my story is or they don't care about me really. Yeah. I'm just a new person that they have to haze, you know? And, exactly. And, it, it dehumanizes. You know, yeah. Well, to be honest, not to go too into it, but sepia was like that too. Mm, places okay. with legacy are different than new ones. Yeah. And places with legacy, sepia was there for 12 or 13 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was the newest person that worked there when yeah. you and I met. And I, Got a little hazing. Got your hazing, yeah. You know? Hey, I remember. It was worth it, though. It was worth it then. I, I remember. And and you know what's funny about that? Because we do, there is a, a thing in bar culture where, like, the new bartender that comes in, you're like, oh, you don't know my drink. You know? Like, you don't know. Yeah. As if someone sh- should, like, be 
knowing automatically what, you know, right. I drink. I feel, but that's the thing, right? Like you're always, maybe not acting, maybe because you have that personality that's just super magnetic and, and attractive, but it is kind of like a, a role that you're playing. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, not with me because you love me genuinely. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, forever and ever. Nothing but, but the real, real. <laughs> but there's sometimes like you have to put on a role. Does that ever inform the art side, right? Do you ever take the stress or the the what you get from that and put it into the art, or are they two different worlds for you? For me. To say that I have never gotten inspiration while working my supplemental job mm-hmm. would be a lie, mm-hmm. a complete lie. Um, but that manifests itself in so many different ways. Mm. Um, for the most part, other than that fact, for the most part, I think they're really separate from me. Um, okay. Because, and it also depends on where you're working. It's very very situational as well mm-hmm. you know because like if I'm working like the last place I worked in New York was this really dope tiki bar in Bushwick um called Dromedary Urban Tiki Bar mm-hmm. um if you're ever around there go in it's <laughs> a wonderful place I miss it I miss it a lot <laughs> um but you know that was the first job I'd had and I lived in New York for 12 years until mm-hmm. I left recently you know um it was the first job I ever had that like let me wear whatever I want Okay, yeah. Wear whatever I want, which is another way to be creative and express yourself if you're that kind of person, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, it it, it depends on the situation, but, yeah, I don't know. It's it's kind of, that's a tough question for me. Yeah. Because I have a very love-hate relationship with the industry as a whole. Yeah, for sure. And I've had beautiful times. I've had beautiful times on the on the other end, like as a guest, mm-hmm. you know, um, and going to places. And I've had some great times behind the bar as well. But um, that's a that's a tough one because um, yeah. for me, it's my understanding that for most people, service industry service industry jobs are temporary until they're not. Yeah. So the service industry, I was talking about this the other day, the service industry is not, was not designed to be sustainable um, in the long run, on the body, on the Mm -hmm. mind. Um, But somehow people have found themselves like- Doing it for a very long time. Doing it for a really, really long time, joining unions, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Like, that's great. Um, That's not something I want to do right now, but I also know in a a good way, Mm -hmm. service industry will always be there. Yeah. It's not passion though. Right? right. For you it's not passion. Not anymore. Not there anymore. have been times I have done beverage directing and cuz yeah, you know, I did a lot of uh the drinks at Sepia, you know, all those drink specials. Okay. That happened when I was there. Those were all my drink specials like I but Again, like when you do cocktails and when you do like actual like beverage work, yeah. it's creative. There you go. See, okay, got you. So gotcha. in that way, yeah. I don't get any, I don't get much. I get the human connection from service, but also like creating an experience for somebody is a way of expressing 
yourself. So in that way, um, I have been passionate. I Got think you. I think that's that's not something that's on my mind right now because mm-hmm. I'm trying to get back to what I really, 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 really love. Mm-hmm. Um, but there have been times in my past when I, you know, took on a more um, a more managerial role and and creative role behind okay. the bar. That was great. So, since we're talking about what you're doing now, let's talk about it. Um, what are what is it? What are you doing now? So during this time, since we have all been at home, um, I've rediscovered my passion and my joy for music. And um, I've basically been, I haven't really seriously sung in probably about seven years. Mm-hmm. which seems like a very long time and it is, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I due to a lot of life happened and yeah. I sort of took some time off and I think I just, I was kind of suffering from some depression and lack of motivation and it was crazy because now that we're doing this and we don't have our distractions yeah. that we normally have our projects, you know, all the things that keep us from dealing with our inner internal um, struggles and facets, not mm. always a struggle, but it's a struggle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, now that we don't have those things, that's why so many relationships are on the rocks. And that's why yeah. people are getting, people are suffering from mental health issues and depression and things like that is now we don't have our distractions and we have to look in the mirror and we have to look at ourselves. Yes. We have to, we have no other choice but to start working on that stuff that we always thought we wanted to work on, you know, body confidence, confidence mm-hmm. period, yada, da, da, da. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we don't have anywhere to hide. Yeah. You know, nothing, nothing yes. to hide behind. So during this time for me, I, in, in my personal journey, um, I realized that people stopped asking me about my singing. Mm. And at first I was like, I guess everybody's just given up on me. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not really that. Uh, The hardest thing for me was realizing that it wasn't that everybody else gave up on me. It was actually that I had sort of given up on myself. And it's, you know, being a creative person, like the tortured artist and all that stuff, mm-hmm. that is real, you know, and it's a real thing. everybody has an inner saboteur and mine just really had a, really had a good stretch, you know? Yeah. And so I realized that I was at a crossroads mm-hmm. and I didn't have anywhere to hide, yes. you know? And so I decided, so I had to make a choice. I was either going to not necessarily move on, but do something else. <laughs> not, not necessarily give up. Not It's not necessarily give up, but move yeah. on, you know, progress yeah. and do something else. Exactly. Um, or get it together and give it the old college try. Yeah, for sure. So I decided to kick it into high gear. I have all this time. So I started uh, 
the research and development process for launching some content channels. I'm going to do, hopefully I'm going to do some music content, um, put some videos on the YouTubes of me singing, and I might also launch another creative channel as well. Um, both are still under construction and in the works, but I'm, uh, I'm working on that. And it so, feels great. I'm glad it does. I think that because you started this out and it's really appropriate for you because you are such a bundle of it. You started this out talking about the joy that you got from singing and the joy that you wanted to cause other people and the, the joy that you get from interacting with people behind the bar, right? Joy tends to be a, a common theme with you um, as a person. When you are in the, the dark space, right? Uh, that seven year stretch, does the joy go away? And what does it take to refine it? If it does go away? Um, in my personal experience, the joy was gone because I didn't feel like I had a purpose. Mm. Um, and I think if you feel like your life has meaning and that you have a purpose, then your joy reserves can constantly be filled. Mm. Um, otherwise, it's really hard to just muster, like you have to, you have to cultivate joy and happiness. Mm. And for me, I wasn't. Yeah. I didn't know how, honestly. Um, and, but that being said, throughout that whole time, <laughs> and this is how I know um, that I was always on the right path, despite losing my way a little bit. Um, every time I would go to the theater mm-hmm. and I would see a show, not a movie, but a show. Every time yes. I would go to a Broadway show or something like that, and I would feel the electricity and the energy and see these em- amazing emotional performances and be moved and have this art transcend, you know, right before my eyes, I would be like, oh, yeah, that's what it's about, man. Yes. I need to be doing that. Oh, man. No, man, I remember why I love to do that. Because not everybody, like it's the luxury and I wasn't raised going to the theater or anything. Um, Mm -hmm. It really did find me by like fluke, but um, you know, not everybody is raised to appreciate going to a theater or going to the opera. Um, And the energy when you're watching a live stage production is really, really special. And unlike anything, like no movie could ever um movies movies are great like (laughs) it's just different movies are just different but because the the energy is palpable and tangible in the theater yes on stage with stage performances it's just so different yeah and i've seen bad shows like even (laughs) but even the bad ones are you know still give you that that light yeah um so for me, I just kept finding that I would, basically I would keep losing, I would stop doing the things that brought me joy and that would help make me lose my identity and be lost. And then I would start to 
see glimpses of those things again. Yes. And remember who I was. Yes. Wow. Um, and for me, being a creative and being an artist and being a, a singer, you know, yeah. primarily, you know, a singer, that's part of my identity, which is also why it was really, really scary for me to be at that crossroads. It's it's crazy because, all right, so you said before, right? And it stuck into my head and I knew I was going to talk about it again. Uh, you said, I can only do what I, what I can do. Yeah. I, I, I can only do it. You said the service industry is about knowing what you what you do, what you shine in and what you don't shine in. Right. Right. You talked about in the dark spaces, right? Like losing this, but being in the theater and that light kind of coming back and saying, all right, this, I know what I have to do. Right. Having that resolve of I know what I have to do. What do you do? Because I know I felt this before and I know a lot of people. What do you do when you have those two kind of duplicitous feelings of like, I know what I can do, but like, oh, do I really know what I can do? Right? Have you ever felt that like, I know what I, I know what I can do, but do I really know what I can do? Um, I could come at that from like a lot of different angles. I think what you're kind of getting at, what you're actually talking about is the issue with motivation. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's not about getting from A to B. It's about getting from zero to A. Exactly. Like from starting, you know, like, yeah, you have to know what you, there is a difference in what you have to do and what you can do. For me, I know I have to be in voice lessons and dance classes and and acting classes. Given the circumstances of my life, what can I actually do? Mm. And what else am I going to have to sacrifice? Because I'm a real person and I don't, I stay humble. (laughs) My (laughs) life stays humble, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, you, you also, in that, you have to understand like, what concessions you can afford to make and for how long Mm -hmm. like is it just that you can do voice lessons and keep doing voice lessons or is it that you can do voice lessons one week dance classes one week acting classes the next yada da 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 you have to have you have to formulate a strategy and nobody's going to give you that Mm -hmm. you know again nothing being handed right um i think like people think that you know, people think that they're going to be Rihanna on the subway train getting discovered. Like, it's just like, you're not going to be out at a Starbucks or in the mall. Like Adele was found in the mall, you know, like mm-hmm. you're not that stuff. Like, like it doesn't really happen. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like that, you know, it's necessary. Um, and it sounds super corny and it sounds super like cliche, but you have to put the work in. Yeah. And you have to ever like when I think about sacrifice, right? I don't just think about what I have to give up in terms of things. I, I think about what I have to give up in terms of my body, in terms of my energy and my time, because you know, a lot of people would rather sit up in bar sepia in your amazing presence. But when you get to a point where it's like, I gotta do this. I have, I have to do this, right? Making that decision of, 
and that's another for the people listening, right? Because we do have to make it finding good times. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. For the people who listening, there has to be, like Amina said in the beginning, that difference between like and love. There has to be a difference between I I want to do it, I should do it, I could do it, and then deciding I have to do it. Yeah, I have to do this thing, right? If you get that feeling, that 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 light walking into a theater, I have to do it. It's not I I could do it or I should have to do it. If you get a, a a light every time that you're around a camera or you know every time that you're in a recording studio or every time that you're near Wall Street, every time someone's talking about money or if you're every time you're writing or whatever. Just say what about you? What about writing? You know? Oh like- yeah. I mean, I for a long time I did not want to do it, right? So, but I knew that I had to, and that's why I asked the question. I knew that I I I had to do it, but I didn't want to. Yeah. I'd rather just sit up and and you know, I'm I'm glad that I sat up and talked to you for so long, but <laughs> I, I was putting off a lot of things. Right. And I think that it takes maturity to um to get to a level where you're ready to say, all right, I'm ready to give this up. Yeah. Not just for career, for for love, for romance, for family, for everything, yeah. right? With maturity comes perspective and that just doesn't happen until you mature, you know, like you, you won't be, you can't see things from the perspective of being 30 when you're 23. Yeah. I just, that just doesn't happen. You know, you have to, and you have to, you know, endure the bad times in order to find the good times, you know, finding good joy, you know, like that's, that's what we're really talking about is finding good joy. So, I think I think we just found the name for this uh, episode. Ending good joy. <laughs> there Great. <we> go. <laughs> amazing, amazing. But that's so. So I, I want to talk about that a little bit before we end because I know we're running a little bit long. I just love talking to you. I I I, I want to ask right. What does joy? In, like the end game joy, not not really the end game, but like when you get to that point where you're like, okay this is what I was working for. What does that look like for Amina? I don't know what it looks like, but it's a feeling. Mm, Okay. Is it just ineffable or like, can you describe it at all? Or is it just, have you had anything close to it? I mean, the pang of, of happiness in your heart is like a fraction of like this overwhelming joy. Mm. Um, I think my computer is going to die, but Mm. yeah, uh, it's a feeling. And I just think you, I just think, you know, it once you get there. Got you. All right. So last question before we uh, run out of time, um, we always say purpose is not very, never personal, right? What is Amina's purpose? (sighs) That's tough. (laughs) um to to harness and share joy through joy art joy boom i love it amina tell them where they can find you at please um uh instagram is my jam so you can find me at vegan baby yoda 
vegan baby Yoda. Now, this might be a little bit too early, but do you think that the other the YouTube channels and all that will be under the same thing? Can they keep that as a hashtag or? Um, it'll probably be Amina Camille. Amina Camille. All right. Um, but vegan baby Yoda will stay. Will probably stay my Instagram and my Venmo. All right, and the Venmo. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Amina Camille, I love you. I'm sure that they love you now, listening to you. This was so great. <laughs> you have brought me joy, and um, I pray that you keep on finding joy for yourself and spreading it for other people. Thank you so much for having me. I I, I would love to come back anytime you need oh, me to welcome. blabber on and on. Thank you're you welcome. so much. This platform is yours. Oh, All right, guys, stay what? tuned. I got something, uh, some other stuff for you. Stay tuned. So, guys, I'm going to start doing this thing where... At the end of these interviews, I'm going to introduce some good words, words that were repeated or that came to mind when these beautiful voices were speaking, telling their amazing stories. So for Amina's, I'm going to say joy, I'm going to say adaptation, I'm going to say sacrifice. Joy, adaptation, and sacrifice. As you guys go on about your day and do your thing, ask yourself through the moments that you live through and the flow of the day and who you meet and who you interact with and what you pursue today, ask yourself, what gives me joy? What do I have to adapt to? To maintain this joy and what do I have to sacrifice to obtain this joy I love you guys I thank you guys for being here I hope you guys reach out and interact and stay engaged the world may be moving fast around you or might not be moving very fast at all you may have people in your life today and not have them tomorrow. You might have people, have no one in your life today and have an abundance of people tomorrow. But in all things, please find the joy. God bless you and I love you. Peace. Good people, don't forget to follow Finding Good Times at Finding Good Times on all platforms, at Finding Good Times on all available platforms. And of course, findinggoodtimes.com. Keep following, keep sharing, keep reposting. Most importantly, keep being good. Love y'all.